Hey, I'm Courtney Brooke, and this is Hustle for Happiness podcast. We are all on this journey to find happiness, and let's face it, it takes work. And honestly, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. This podcast is dedicated to helping you navigate life and cut through the noise. As a certified life coach, recovering perfectionist, and survivor of the foster care system, I'm all about keeping things real. With my unique outlook on life that is truly infectious, we cover everything from achieving happiness and optimal self-care to stories of those sharing their wisdom and expertise. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Now, let's get started. I have been wanting to do this episode since I've gotten back on social media. I took I took a hiatus from social media. And now that I'm back, I'm just seeing it more and more and more. And that is, you know, everyone is romanticizing self-care. Everyone is making it look really glamorous. And I wouldn't say actually everyone. I'm going to take that back because there are accounts that I follow And they show the painful side and putting themselves crying on social media or, you know, they seem down on themselves or, you know, just the low points of self-discovery. You know, you can call self-care. In this episode, self-care is going to be interchangeable with self-discovery, personal growth, personal development. They're all interchangeable. You're working on yourself. And my point is there is a dark side to self-care and self-discovery. And if you're not sure what self-care even is, and if you're just tuning in for the first time, go to episode, I think it's episode one or two, where I break down what self-care is and what self-love is. And there is actually a difference between self-love and self-care. So check that episode out if you're a little fuzzy on what the difference is or what even self-care is. But I am here to talk about the dark side of self-care. But before we get into it, I start each and every episode off with my high, my low, and my buffalo. And, you know, James and I love doing this at the end of each day because we usually don't talk throughout the day. And so, It's a great way for us to share our day without just asking, what did you do today? Or how was your day? Or how did work go? It's, hey, babe, what's your high, your low, and your buffalo? And we'll usually do it when we're eating dinner and sitting at the um, counter or what is it, the island eating dinner. And so a high is, you know, something good happened, something good you felt. It could be feeling something you saw with someone else. And then a low is simply something not so good that you saw, felt, or experienced. And then the buffalo is just something interesting you saw. It doesn't have to be necessarily good or bad. It's just a buffalo, just something you want to share. And so I'm going to bring that to the podcast with us today. And I'll try to do it in majority of the episodes. And so my high is I am starting therapy. I'm on week three of therapy And I've been just really working on uncovering things from my childhood that are coming up in adulthood. And it's been really fun because, you know, now I'm an adult. I'm not so afraid of the things that I experienced growing up, but I'm seeing it as a great opportunity for me to learn myself, get to know myself as a younger child, learn different coping mechanisms and tools to support me in adulthood that, 
you know, I didn't even know existed as a child. And I'm also learning that, you know, some coping mechanisms that I had growing up no longer serve me. And, you know, I'm seeing some of those show up in my life. And so I've just been really open and excited to exploring with my therapist about myself, learning about myself, seeing this as a chance to just grow and learn and get better and honestly, just bring more joy into my life. Therapy is something I've been in my whole life off and on since I was six or seven years old. So for me, it's just getting back on the bicycle. I'm a little rusty, not going to lie, which I'm just going to segue into my low. You know, my low is starting therapy too, because I'm not going to lie. It's hard for me to talk about my past. I don't feel sorry for myself. You know, my childhood is a part of me, but it doesn't define me. And I've just, you know, it's hard for me in therapy right now to talk about my past because, you know, I've kind of just moved on from it. But there are things that come up in adulthood that I need to work on. And that's why I'm in therapy as well. So the low for me is starting therapy because, I find it hard to open up about myself. I'm like sitting on her couch and like I'm the one that's starting the conversation and I have to be the one to open up and share sides of me that I'm I'm not used to sharing. And I've been doing a lot of self-discovery these last two years and I haven't really worked on those things that I've discovered about myself. And so I feel like I'm opening up an old wound. Like there's some scar tissue and if you know scar tissue, it's a tougher skin. It's gone through more more experiences and more trauma, just like life, right? And so I'm working through some of that tougher skin and it's painful and it hurts. And I, you know, after my first session, James was like, how did therapy go? And I was like, not going to lie. It was a huge letdown. Like I went into therapy you know, you're just building a relationship with the therapist. And so you go in, you share all of your problems, your stories, you know, where you are, how you got here today, what's on your mind, you know, the whole routine. But you don't really get anywhere. Like you, when you start a therapy session, nothing is really solved. Nothing really moves on. You're just getting to know each other. And most of the time, that first handful of sessions, you're just building a relationship with the therapist. So you're not, I personally believe like I'm not really advancing. So why the therapy session was a huge letdown for me is because I just felt like I exposed myself. Like the only way I can explain it, and this is what I was explaining to James, is like if you were to get a C-section, and this is, I've never gotten one, so this is kind of how I feel it, what I am and imagine it to be, is it's like you get a C-section, someone rips open your stomach, pulls out all your intestines, and then puts it back in you and you walk away. Like that's how the first therapy session felt to me. I just felt weird in my stomach. I felt exposed. I shared all my problems and, you know, I was vulnerable and she's just nodding and saying yes and, you know, listening. And I'm like, whoa, I'm usually the one that listens. Someone's actually just sitting there listening to me. Like I feel like I'm totally like just being looked at. And rather than like judging it, I just embrace that feeling of uncomfortability of sharing my feelings to the therapist. It's funny. I felt like my guts were turned inside out. So that was the first therapy session, you guys. I'm on like week three of therapy now. We're getting better. We're building a rapport. But that is my low, you know, is 
A lot of feelings are coming up right now, and I'm just not 100% myself, not going to lie. And it's been hard for me to like show up on social media because I'm not going to be sharing my whole life story, which is why I started this podcast. I want it to be a little more intimate with you guys. And so I'm bringing a lot of, you know, my learnings, my findings of self-discovery onto this podcast. And I hope that it brings light to you, but I don't want to share everything on social media. And so for me, therapy has been making me feel a little funny. You know, I'm not 100% myself. And so I'm trying to navigate how to show up on social media without being super public about everything. Like I'm sharing things I'm learning from my therapist, but I'm not going into depth. And I'm just, that's where this podcast is going to come in. Like I'm going to actually open up to you guys and tell you therapy has been rocking my world and it's uncomfortable. And I know you guys are all here with me in a safe space and I'm here with you. And, you know, I'm learning to embrace that my childhood is still coming up for me. So that's my low. And then my buffalo is just so amazing. It's interesting. It's It has me smiling and I hope it leaves you smiling. So it's spring here in Chicago, finally. Like it's going to be 80 degrees today. Uh, yeah, I'm happy too. And you're like, wait, what? You're in Chicago? Yeah, I'm in Chicago, mainly in Chicago. But what I, my buffalo, my buffalo, I get distracted. My buffalo is I'm seeing people drive around with their windows down and their music on. And I know that they're feeling themselves. And that just makes me so happy. Like they're celebrating with their music on and their windows down. They're celebrating maybe spring. They're celebrating good weather. You know, when I have my windows down and the music on, you know, I'm feeling myself. But I'm also like, gosh, it's just a beautiful day. And it's the most form of being so present is like the windows down and music on. You're being so present with, you know, you're in the car and you're driving somewhere, but you're enjoying it. And so that's my buffalo is just seeing people drive around with their windows down and music on. Like... Doesn't that make you feel good just thinking about that person is probably just so happy? Like I saw this girl just vibing out to her song the other day as I was going to Laser Away, and she was just singing proudly, and I appreciated that. Like that's the stuff that makes me happy, and so that was my buffalo, but let's get into it. This episode is called The Dark Side of Self-Care. And, you know, when it comes to discovering ourselves, it's not an easy journey. I'm going to be bearer of bad news. Good or bad, you can put your own judgment on it, but I don't think it's an easy journey. I mean, I just shared how the first therapy session went for me. Like, that's it in a nutshell. Like, you're going to see sides of you that you're like, gosh, this is not so pretty. You know, it's a process that requires a lot of time and patience and a heck ton of self-reflection, a lot of self-reflection. I've done so much self-reflection in the last two years on myself that now I'm going to therapy to process it all because I've just discovered a lot about myself. And a lot of it is being adopted. I can't run from it. I can't hide from it, but I definitely am going to be learning from it. So today we're just going to be diving into the hard parts of discovering ourselves and the difficulties of self-care. For my first point, let's just go straight into it. The peer pressure into doing self-care and doing what others are doing. There is so much peer pressure around, especially with social media. You know, we're, we're constantly looking at 
what everyone else is doing. We're constantly looking and seeing who's doing a better self-care routine or what are they doing that I'm not doing or are they using a better product than I am or, you know, they're not crying about self-care, self-discovery, but I'm over here at, at home crying so much. What's wrong with me? You know, it's that comparison and that negative self-talk but it's the peer pressure around self-care. Self-care is a crucial aspect of maintaining physical, emotional, and mental health. And it can be challenging to prioritize that self-care when there is so much pressure to conform to, and especially in what other people are doing, you know? So I put together a list of tips for you guys to help you stay true to yourself while prioritizing self-care. One, remember that self-care looks different for everyone. You know, what works for your friend may not work for you, and that's okay. You know, take time to explore what feels good to you, though, not to everyone else. Like, 5 a.m. might feel good to you, but I'm sorry, one of my best friends, she works till 4 a.m. She's not getting up at 5 a.m. That doesn't work for her, you know? So you gotta do what works for you and prioritize that. Number two is resist the urge to compare yourself to others. You know, it's easy to fall into that trap of thinking that someone else's routine is better or even just more effective than yours. But that kind of thinking will only lead to dissatisfaction and burnout. Like you're constantly chasing what other people are doing. You're not even listening to yourself. You're not in your own body. So resist their urge to compare yourself and your routine to others. Again, self-care looks different for everyone. So the first two points are go hand in hand together, but it can be challenging, you know, Peer pressure is a huge part and an ugly part of self-care. Once you get through that part of knowing, am I doing this because someone else is doing it or am I doing it for me? When you are doing it for yourself, that's when you know it's self-care for you. You know, it feels good for yourself. Another point is approach self-care with a childlike mind, meaning just Be curious and be shameless about it and don't judge yourself. You know, try new things, embrace the unknown and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So you may like be just just so surprised as what you discovered. Like I love having fresh juice in the morning. I didn't know how to start my routine every day. I don't even have coffee now. Like I see so many girls making the most beautiful coffee drinks, but that didn't work for me. And that's where I had to like take a step back and be like, okay, they start their day like this, but that doesn't mean that I have to start my day like that, you know? So make sure that it's authentic to you, but explore, you know, have fun with it. You know, use social media as a guideline on how to approach this whole self-care, self-discovery phase, but it's not Bible. You don't have to do verbatim what it says. You gotta listen to your heart. You know in your gut, like if you're like, I'm pissed off at waking up at 5 a.m. every morning, why am I doing this? And you're like, this is not for me. You know, me, I like to be in bed at nine. I love waking up early. You know, 
all through college, I had to be up late with football games. I was a competitive cheerleader. But not only that, I also worked late. It was hard for me to get up early. You know, now I am just wanting to get up early and I love being in bed early because I had to be up late in my college time. And so now I'm embracing this phase in my life where I can go to bed early and I can get up earlier. I like it, but that doesn't work for everyone else. Not everyone has the same schedule. So, you know, if you're a nurse and you really want this morning routine, maybe find another nurse that shares her routine and you're on the same schedule, but explore and see what works for you. And also know like not everyone has the same circumstance as you, you know. Another point in this is to just be you. Feelings come up when we work on ourselves. And this is like my favorite saying is the more you feel, the more you heal. The more you feel, the more you heal. Like put your hand over your heart and just say it. It feels good. When you feel, you heal. I believe in that. The more you feel, the more you heal. And acknowledge your feelings and work through them. Like It's not all about hot girl summer walks and hot yoga with all the girls in the slick buns, like looking beautiful. Like, I'm sorry, but when I leave hot yoga, I don't look like half the girls on Instagram. My face is red. I'm panting. I have butt sweat and boob sweat. Like, I don't see any of the people on my Instagram or TikTok feed showing that There's sweat in places that I didn't even know existed. My point is self-discovery and self-care is not aesthetically pleasing. It's just not. And I'm here to bring that to your attention. Like there's ugly sides of it. And not only aesthetic side, but like actually, yeah, it is aesthetic. You can cry. You can be angry. You can be you. Just be you. And by when I say by being you, it's acknowledging your feelings. It's acknowledging and not just brushing past your feelings because, you know, the girl on Instagram wasn't that way. Or, you know, my mom told me never to cry. Well, that works for her not to cry. But for me, I need to cry. My husband, James, he is the most sensitive man. I love you, babe. I love you. <laughs> he is my Libra. He is sensitive. He needs more attention. That's fine. I love him for all of that. And he's made it clear that that's how he processes his emotions. And so I got to be there to support that. You know, I have to let him be himself. And so my point is we all process emotions differently. And now I'm going to go on a story because this just happened to me. I was in therapy and I go to my therapist. I go, you know, James cries a lot and I don't cry. And she was explaining to me that everyone processes their emotions differently. So this is for my people that aren't big criers. We all process emotions differently. So for me, mine is being alone. Mine is journaling or just finding solitude. I really like being alone when things are just uncertain and a little unstable. It's actually how I get grounded is by being alone. I might not cry and that's, I'm not trying to fight it. You know, sometimes I do cry, but I was talking to my therapist about this and she goes, people can cry by playing their music really loud or not cry, but people can process their emotions by playing their music really loud or journaling or, you know, me pulling back in solitude. A lot of people go to the gym and let out aggression or, you know, whatever that looks like to you, embrace it and love it 
And that goes straight into my next point, actually. Embrace your uniqueness. Yes, you are worthy. You are amazing. You are you. No one can be you, but we got to embrace it. So what does that mean? Embrace your uniqueness. You know, be open to change, be open to explore how to get better, but also recognize those qualities that need fine tuning. So you can embrace your uniqueness while still being open to change, while exploring how to get better and seeing that some qualities just need some fine tuning. Like I'll talk about myself, I guess. (laughs) We're already here. Um, I have this tendency to not put my needs first. And I will literally take care of James until it kills me. And it's not a bad thing. I just, I love being there for James. That's my love language is for me is acts of service for other people. And James loves acts of service. But I found that I wasn't putting my needs first and I was getting grumpier and grumpier. And I was like, whoa, why am I taking care of James? What am I compensating for? What am I saying no to when I say yes to James. And I was like, I found that when I, the more I was saying yes to James, I was actually saying no to myself. I was actually saying no to my needs. You know, my needs were to get grounded and be alone and journal. And I wasn't listening to that. And my, actually my therapist pointed that out. Funny therapy. It's killing it today. It's the reoccurring theme of this at all. So I recognized that I needed to pull back and I wasn't listening to my needs. You know, I was constantly being there for him and it was slowly killing me. So I was open to that feedback from my therapist and be like, whoa, by me saying yes to James, what was I saying no to? And maybe this resonates with you in terms of asking for your needs or setting boundaries, but my advice is the more you do it, the easier it gets. And that's exactly how it was for me. You know, I was uncomfortable at first. I was kind of shaky to even say, hey, I, I need to do me right now. Like, would he not like me? You know, growing up as a child, I learned that I had to be perfect for everyone in order to get picked in life, you know, in order to have my birth mom love me, in order for my adoption to happen, I needed to be perfect. And that was my surviving mechanism. Now, fast forward, I'm married, happily married, and my husband loves not everything has to be perfect. He loves the not so pretty side, you know, the the messy side of things. And, you know, me being upset, me being feisty or me, you know, being angry. You know, I, as a child, there was not a safe opportunity for me to share my feelings. And for me, that was really a big eye opener is for the first time in my life, I don't have to not share my feelings. I can share my feelings. You know, it worked for me as a child to not share my feelings, but that no longer serves me. And so I'm exploring that change. I'm exploring how to get better on sharing my feelings and expressing my needs and wants because that was never an opportunity for me to do as a child. So if this is resonating with you, there are things that served us as children that allowed us to survive, you know, with our siblings maybe, or to be seen amongst our parents or to be the one that stood out. Or, you know, maybe you're just the quiet one because you had overbearing siblings. There is that yin and yang, but we learned, I learned these tools to survive. And now I'm recognizing that as a child, I needed them. And 
They no longer serve me. I don't need to be perfect to be picked. I am picked. I am picked for me. I am picking me for the first time. And I don't need to identify with the fact that I have to be perfect. I am reparenting myself for sure, but I am embracing that that is something unique about me. But I'm just going to start fine-tuning it now. I am going slow with myself. And that and that leads me to my next point is discovering yourself isn't immediate, but that the self-discovery journey takes time and patience. I've learned so much about this and I put together like a mini list for you guys on thoughts to keep in mind as you navigate self-discovery. You know, it takes a lot of time to reflect on your thoughts, feelings, and experiences You know, so it is important to try new things, meet new people and challenge yourself in order to gain a deeper understanding of who you are. These new experiences that I'm going through as an adult, I am going with, again, an open mind, but I'm learning about myself through them. I'm learning about myself through therapy, James being married, and I've never been in a stable, safe relationship. I wouldn't say never, but it's been hard for me to have a stable, safe relationship. And James is providing that for me for the first time. And I'm learning about myself. Like it's a good thing, but things are coming up for me. Intimacy, vulnerability, working through problems with a partner rather than just being this lone wolf foster care kid. Yeah, I'm going against my childhood grain for sure. Like I'm like, wait, you do something with somebody like someone's going to actually hang out with you and not just leave you. Okay, this is new. Is everything okay? You know, like love wasn't taught to me in that way. And James is teaching me that, you know, again, Another thing in terms of, you know, things to keep in mind as you're going through self-discoveries, there's no right way to discover yourself. I'm going to say that again. There is no right way to discover yourself. You know, some people might like meditation. Some might like journaling. Some might like therapy. Some might like working out, you know, while others prefer interests like hobbies or travel. So whatever allows you to discover yourself, traveling is a form of self-discovery. Book that flight, learn how to travel across the world or just go out to a restaurant by yourself. I mean, there's so many ways to discover yourself and it doesn't have to be with your green juice or a hot girl walk, for instance, like, or pumping iron in the gym. Like there's so many ways and it's beautiful and it's ongoing. I mentioned earlier, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but I've been in therapy off and on since I was like six years old. It is an ongoing process. I'm not going to lie. Just as we change and grow over time, our understanding of ourselves also evolve. So embrace it. You know, it's continual self-discovery and to stay open to new experiences and perspectives. I just, as I've gotten older, I keep learning about myself and I keep evolving and I keep relearning myself. It's not like you sign up for a 10-week program and you've solved every single thing about yourself. Know that it's not a sprint. How about that? It is a freaking marathon. And just when you think you've mastered self-discovery, that's when you need to go back in and start again, you know? I constantly am working on, you know, me right now with my life coach and therapist, but more my life coach. I'm working on not being defensive. You know, I'm working on not having to prove my point. 
Growing up, I used to have to do that a lot and protect my siblings in foster care from foster parents or even my birth mom and the men she brought home. I have to be that protecting role, you know, and I'm relearning that that doesn't serve me. But that's okay. It's ongoing. I keep learning about myself. So I have two more points left on the dark side of self-care. We've gone in a few tangents, a few lists. Repeat, re-listen if you guys want. I, there's just so much on this topic that I am very passionate about. So hang with me, okay? So part of the dark side of self-care is that vulnerability piece that I just mentioned. It's I am learning, we are learning as a society, we're relearning that we like showing feelings isn't weakness. You know, our parents were taught that vulnerability is weakness. Sharing your feelings is weakness. When you cry, you're not good enough. You're showing weakness, right? Well, we're relearning that as a society too, which is pretty interesting. But the role of vulnerability is a huge piece in, you know, self-discovery. Being vulnerable and opening up about our struggles can be so uncomfortable. And it's an important step to understanding ourselves better. You know, I keep going back to social media. Maybe it's because it's so fresh in my mind because I took a social media break. But it's not always perfect. You know, you see these girls, with, at least on my feet, as great bodies or, you know, families of five or, you know, just... I just see little signs of like perfection and there's no, no struggles, you know, and there are struggles in life. There are struggles, whether we want to believe it or not. And, you know, the power of vulnerability is really a beautiful tool to help us connect not only with ourselves, but with others. You know, we think that vulnerability is going to like isolate us and we think that vulnerability is going to make us be even more separated from people, but It's actually the opposite. The more we're vulnerable, the more we connect, the more we get closer, the more we empathize, and the more it actually takes us off this pedestal and we're all equals. You know, vulnerability creates equality. I think so. Vulnerability allows us to actually come together rather than what we think it is is separate us. That's not the case. It is so empowering and liberating as for me when I am able to talk about my struggles and, you know, I feel safe about it. You know, the more I share about vulnerability, I need help. Like some of you guys are like, what's vulnerability? Okay. Vulnerability might be being naked in front of your spouse or your partner for the first time. It's asking for help. It's dropping your groceries on the floor and not being embarrassed by it, but that we're all human. You know, it's having a typo on your Instagram title or your story and knowing that, you know what, I'm not perfect. You know, it's taking yourself off and admitting that, you know, I'm human. We're all here. We're all relatable. You know, it's showing up to work without makeup, knowing you have a breakout or going to happy hour with your girlfriends and you have a breakout, you know, and showing your zit. That was me. That was me. I was constantly defined by my acne and my breakouts. I wouldn't go out in public. You know, I've posted a lot of this on my Instagram and YouTube, but acne really debilitated my confidence. I hated it. 
And then I started to love it. You know, I was like, you know what? I don't have to have perfect skin. I'm going to embrace my zit. I'm going to embrace that, you know, my I'm breaking out during my period. I have a healthy body. My period means that my body's doing what it's supposed to be doing. So I had to learn to love it, work through that uncomfortability phase. But again, it wasn't fun. I was lonely. I felt like everyone was looking at my zit. And, you know, vulnerability can feel lonely at first, but when we push through and work on it, it's actually beneficial to not only me or you, but everyone around us. You know what? It humanizes us. You know, I have had so many people reach out to me about their acne now, and I have so many more friends because of it. And I thought that, you know, my acne is going to separate me. You know, no, my vulnerability actually brought me closer to those people in my life. And I'm, I'm so, like, it's so rewarding. Like, I'm, I've shared about it and I just, I didn't expect people to respond that well. But that's because I was taught that if I wasn't vulnerable, people would like me. And it's the opposite. If you have a story out there that is just waiting to be unleashed, unleash it. Unleash it shamelessly, you know, sharing our struggles will help us connect with others on a deeper level, building stronger relationships and a sense of community. Cause that's what it did for me. I have been sharing my adoption. You know, I've been sharing my relationship with James. I've been sharing, you know, my acne journey and I've built so many mini communities based on that. I've opened up about my struggles and it's allowed me and others to have the permission to do the same. You know, it's creating a safe and supportive space for everyone. It's allowing us to be authentic and our authenticity is what brings us together. Our authenticity also separates us by standing us apart that we're, that is the only thing that makes us different, but then it also brings ourselves together because it's like when you're your authentic self, people actually can see you for who you are. If you don't like to be a morning person, I'm sure there's someone out there that doesn't like to be a morning person and you've just made a new best friend because you've shared something that you might not necessarily want to, but that vulnerability piece saying I'm not a vulnerable, it's hard for me to wake up early in the morning. You can say that it's difficult for me to wake up early in the morning and then someone else is like, it's hard for me too. You know, let's come together. You know, it's this bonding. You can bond over these things. When we have vulnerability, we break down the walls of shame and the stigma that often prevents us from seeking help and support when we actually need it the most. Like when I was in my darkest days about acne, that's when I got a brand partnership And that's when I started working with dermatologists. You know, I started to share my story more and then it started helping people more than I even thought. And I'm like, whoa, we're on to something here. We, wait, this vulnerability thing is actually not what my parents taught me. You know, my parents taught me that if you cry, you're weak. Or if I cry, I won't be adopted. I won't have a family. So the next time you feel the urge to hide your struggles and keep them to yourself, just remember that being vulnerable is not a weakness, but a powerful tool for growth and connection. I mean it. And if this is something hard for you still, I love this book. I picked it up when I was first in college called Brene Brown. It's called Daring Greatly. And it's how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we love, live, love, parent and lead. And it's by Brene Brown. It's, I've marked this thing up and it's really taught me just how simple vulnerability is. 
and we can start today. Highly recommend it. And that leads me into my next point when I just talked about like my family taught me, for instance, crying was a weakness or that if you showed emotion and the messiness, you won't get adopted. Well, as I've been doing self-discovery and the continuous journey that it's been, it requires a deep level of introspection and willingness to change the status quo. And I really realized that like, although families can be a source of strength and support, they can also be a barrier to personal growth and development. And I mean that in the nicest way. I'm not saying go against your family or question every single thing your mother-in-law says, or your father-in-law says, or your husband's grandmother, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's important to recognize that our family's beliefs and values may not necessarily align with our own. And that's okay. You know, you can take a step back and say that's their belief, but that doesn't have to be my belief. You can separate yourself. So again, I put together another mini list for you guys on points to consider when it comes to the role of families in our personal growth. This is a huge one. You know, maybe it's religion that's keeping you close to your family. Maybe it's cultural. Maybe it's the fact that you have no one in your community but your family. And they're really, if you go against their belief system, you're going to feel alone. Or maybe it's the reason why you haven't moved away from your small town. You know, these are just all ideas, but I'm not saying boycott your family, but develop your own opinions, you know? While families can provide a sense of belonging and community, they can also perpetuate narrow-mindedness and restrict our ability to explore new ideas and perspectives. So what does that mean? It's just essential to strike a balance between honoring our family traditions and charting our own path to walk on in life. So, you know, you can honor, there's a space, right? You can honor the beliefs, meaning like listen to them, you know, you understand where they come from, but that doesn't mean you can't pick your own destiny. You can't, you know, they're going to influence you, but they don't have to dictate how you live your life, right? So family dynamics can be complex, challenging, but I want to make sure you guys remember that we always have the option to seek support from outside resources, whether it's a therapist or a trusted group or your best friend. Taking care of our own well-being is so crucial to our personal growth and development. And our families come with their own set of belief systems and their own roles and their own hierarchy, you know. Challenging our assumption and beliefs is a crucial aspect to self-discovery, you know. Take everything we've been taught by our families at face value and critically examine our beliefs, you know. That is what's going to help us self-discovery. You know, that is what my family believes, but that's not what I believe. Family beliefs can be a huge, I don't want to say dark side, but it's definitely not an easy thing to break. And we can get into that on another episode just on like family ties and bonds. But for me being adopted, I have a whole different outlook. Like me, I am my own person. I am not blood related to my family. Well, I have my half brothers and sisters. But anyways, I am not related to my family. I am my own person. But I also encourage James to live with that attitude too. He is a son of his mother. He's a grandson. You know, he's a son. But he is his own person. He 
has a belief system that, you know, is heavily influenced by his family, but that doesn't mean that he has to live by it. And then I could flip it also. Like James comes from a very tight-knit family and I don't. And so I've learned a lot about family values that I never was taught growing up. So there is this balance and you use your family as just a basis, but you don't have to you don't have to believe everything they say and not saying that they're liars. I'm not saying that they're liars. I'm just saying like families provide that sense of community, but they can also perpetuate that narrow-mindedness. So keep that in mind. You know, when you think something, did you develop that opinion for yourself or did someone in your family say that to you? Start questioning everything, you know, not in a bad way, but just think for yourself, where did I learn this? I wonder where I got that from or why am I reacting so angrily when I don't even know where that comes from? So that's my last point on today's topic for self-love, the dark side of self-love. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. I hope today's episode left you better than when I found you. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and tune in every Monday to kickstart your week and set your weekly intentions with me. You can find me and HFH on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok or online at heycourtneybrook.com. I firmly believe in the power of sharing. If you know someone else who would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And remember, when you work on you, I get to be there.